White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Right after, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. There's no Twitter address for me. Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> that is Chris Tannehill. He is at Chris Tannehill. He's lucky. The show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. Go there, subscribe. Hit the notifications bell when we drop these episodes, like we dropped the James Fox and Mike Rankin Future Sox episode that we did yesterday. Oh, the whole video is there. So go there. You might even get a prize pack eventually. So with no further ado, here is Chris Tannehill. I got to tell you, how great was Mike Rankin and James Fox yesterday? They were just awesome. They're so smart knowledgeable like plugged in good baseball guys like that they're they're an incredible resource and i hope you guys had a chance to check out the top 30 prospects list over at futuresocks.com just a, what a great uh, time we had last night doing the show with them i'm going to circulate some clips out there there are the full episodes on youtube like you said people can check it out but uh, as the season goes on maybe we'll bring back a lot of that stuff when it pertains to certain guys but uh, yeah let's uh First of all, apologies for being late tonight. Believe it or not, we don't have to be here today. It's Thursday. We've already met our requirement for the week with our three episodes in February each week. Uh, but we're pushing through because I'm having a lot of fun this week. And this is uh, one of the few times this week I get to have Herb all to myself because we have the Sons of Hanarchy tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be the full episode, no breaks, just an hour through of foolishness and irreverence that we had a really good time. So we figured that's a great way to end the week, but there's no George Hoffman, no future socks, just, just no sons of anarchy, just you and I, big boy, although you're not as big lately. Uh, so your Twitter account, uh, rest in peace. So, well, for now it's, it's gone. It's, it's, it's on hold. It's in Twitter jail, Twitter purgatory, however you want to call it. Uh, finally, you've been suspended for spreading leftist propaganda. It's not That's a day too I soon. I am Antifa. <laughs> they finally found me. Uh, Tucker Carlson found me. He was looking for Antifa or QAnon. He found me and he shut down my Twitter. This is actually what I thought when I did it today. I was walking to the car, which is on a Marine over here where I live. And I had seen like all the snow melting. And so, of course, lazy ass people have not picked up their dog poop at all so every single probably like every 30 yards i would see new poop from the melted snow i'm like oh my god people don't deserve this so i tweeted this out and then as soon as i tweeted it out i pretty much got a uh, dm that said hey this is twitter support or twitter whatever you sent out a a legal picture which i had sent out a picture that wasn't my picture like earlier in the morning and so I was like oh okay maybe and I deleted that picture and then they said okay you need to come back to this thing and sign in and all that stuff so as a like a dummy I signed in again 
and it was like a fishing thing apparently mm. and so not not took, not not fishing like diagonal like not not out there uh looking the, for yeah, for toothy yeah. critters up at, up at cottage this is uh inner the for the for the youngsters out there uh, <laughs> the oldsters uh for the for the moms and dads out there this is fishing uh do they still do they yeah this is internet fishing where they try to to lure you in to give them your account and they succeeded oh gullible herb yeah can i, can I sell so you can i sell you a bridge after the show <laughs> immediately the brooklyn one it would be great but yeah so immediately like they changed my password they changed my email all that stuff so i don't have access to it so if you've been getting weird messages and i just look at it from afar it's like now it's like italian i think earlier it was like turkish uh the language they put like different pictures up and they still kept my my pin tweet which is weird well they, they do like they want to they want to help promote what was it what was the pin tweet Pin tweet pretty much says i talk about the unpresident white Sox, <laughs> the lion eye and the bears so if you don't like that get to step in if you are in you're stuck with me man you've really you've really turned fast quickly on biden here you're unprecedented already give let, let mean, the man work i mean <laughs> get me a, run that check bro hurry up um but yeah it was like very very weird that they kept everything i mean i was blocked uh well locked on socks if you're on twitter locked on socks <laughs> account was blocked from my old twitter the actor wall 23 and if you're on twitter right now and you're looking at actor wall 23 Hopefully, by the time you hear my voice on Thursday, <laughs> I've recovered it, and you'll hear you'll see the regular nonsense. But if you start seeing stuff about soccer or Italian propaganda, that's not me. I would never write Italian propaganda. Now, French propaganda all the time. Oh yeah, I mean, Macron is just a, just a ruin the country. Ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yeah, they took my Twitter. It's actually. As a guy who tweets a lot, a lot, a lot, it's actually a nice break. Yeah, man, I kind of envy that it. Twitter stuff. I, I got to be honest, I envy it. Uh, you know, I wish I didn't have to. I mean, I, I have a burner that I use like when I really get sick of Twitter because in our job and the content industry, you know, you can relate to this not only for the podcast but for working at the score. Like, I feel like I'm always plugged into Twitter, and mm-hmm. I have to be. So I have a burner account that I'll use just to follow. Uh, content services like I'll, I'll follow like you know the the websites that we frequent ESPN and you know some of the other sports sites that are out there Barstool like you know because they're always uh, tweeting viral content so I like to stay in touch when I when I've really uh, you know taken a, a break from Twitter I will do that just to give me the bare minimum like I don't follow a ton of people on there but it's good but I do envy it but now Herb you have this is basically your only platform you don't have Twitter anymore you do have Lawrence Holmes show but you know this is really the only platform for you to say what you need to say so i expect the content to really uh be be taking a step up here while you're out with, out with twitter because i gotta tell you i'm not optimistic that you're gonna get that account back uh, in in as quick fashion as you believe it will be if i don't what- think so either <laughs> chain's talking to me about other people with uh, the blue check marks well we should still- just say it was anyone who follows the redline radio account which was barstool carl and white Sox dave's uh, podcast like I know they do the Sirius XM show now I think but they they you know and Eddie's over there too but they had their account hacked so this is important for you listeners because many of you guys and gals who follow us probably follow or followed the Redline Radio Twitter account but if you look them up it's the Twitter support thing that that you got baited by because that they they get you by if you follow the Redline Radio and you still follow it. 
now it pops up in your timeline as a Twitter thing and you think it's Twitter or they slide under your DMs because you follow each other and now that's yep. you know so if you're following that account just watch out so that that's how that happened so yeah just a public service to you guys and gals out there but uh you you are missing some a plus things on twitter herb if you, if you go on her rundown here i was tweeted something uh just about a few hours ago during the show today and i finally got around sometimes like when we're tweeting a lot of stuff during the, the parkinson spiegel show like tweeting you know playlists or guest stuff like I will miss things that are tweeted to me during a commercial break or whatever, but a, a user by the name of Pentoshi Cheesemonger, at Pentoshi Cheese on Twitter, tweeted me a photo. It's a facial reconstruction of the Roman Emperor Vitellius. Uh, from, uh, he, he served in Rome from uh, April uh, of 16 to December of 69 AD. And he says this, uh, Pentoshi Cheesemonger says, this is what I picture socks collars to look like and if you look at this picture it's a modern reconstruction of this old roman bust and it does look like a guy that you would see down in the craft cave and it's so hilarious do you see what i'm talking about here yes i see it <laughs> hey can i get another stolage passage come on so, run one over with some grilled onions eh? it looks you, exactly like that voice sound this is like even though i know what frank Menachino looks like i he should look like this this recreation of of this roman emperor but go out of my go to my twitter page because now herb doesn't have twitter so you can go to my twitter page at chris Tannehill. i don't tweet a lot so it'll just probably still be towards the top of my timeline on friday or thursday morning when you get this so it's good stuff there man this is what i mean i was just dying i tweeted it to ranji and connor who uh both uh, have served as white Sox pre and post game hosts on the radio connor the the current pre and post game host for wmvp espn 1000 they got a kick out of it dan bernstein jumped in the mix but Man, just what a funny thing to be kicking around last night. One guy tweeted, uh, or no, one gal tweeted, I've been a fan for 2,000 years, <laughs> <laughs> given the fan credentials. Oh. <laughs> just oh. A, just a plus. A plus I, right Twitter there. starts getting good when I leave. That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're finally free now, now, now that you're, you're not there, uh, you know, uh, lording over people's lives. Um, but speaking of Twitter, her, uh, you know, did you notice all the people this week that reached out to us? When uh, James Fegan was was doing the Lord's work out here during Zoom conference calls with Yohan Moncada, you know, people alerted us to this. This mm -hmm. is James Fegan asking the questions to Yohan Moncada that need to be asked at White Sox spring training. You wanna, you know, through like halfway last season, Luis Robert dealt with a little bit of a stretch of the league uh, adjusting to him. Um, did you say anything about to him about how to get through those? struggles given from your experience um that he, that he can use on and uh separately will you be using your single as your walk-up song this season single yes i'm planning to use that song as a, my walk-up song and you know just play it everywhere literally the coolest man on earth my walk-up song yeah <laughs> like so it's confirmed now Yohan Moncada will be using his own walk-up song this year. This is, of course, being the the hot hit single, Desastre Personal, and we talked about this. I said it's a little tacky. We called this, what was that, two weeks ago now? We called this situation. We talked about it. I think you're the one that brought it up that he should, in fact, use it. I said, ah, maybe not so much. I like the team using it, like everyone on the team using it except for him. But as it turns out here, Yohan is going to be using this song. Uh, Herbie, your thoughts? It's great. It's awesome that he's going to be promoting himself firstly, and he believes in himself. 
He likes what he brought to the table. And as a guy that likes a good beat every once in a while and understand music a little bit, it actually like a song that somebody uh, who, who sings a Latin be putting out. So I'm 100% good with him putting this out and making this available for everybody to hear. I mean, I don't think it's a bad song at all. I think it's an actual jam. You can well, get on the dance floor and get get loose with it if you knew how to dance like that. Yeah, it's not my genre. It's not my genre. I don't. Know, is it technically reggaeton? I mean, I think, I think the music is reggaeton. Yeah, but, but it's, it wasn't my genre. I, I was, you know, a hip hop DJ, but I can, you know, recognize a good song when I hear it, and I I agree. I think it's pretty good. I'm not just saying that. I did a lot of crowdsourcing today, and I thought about doing some crowdsourcing on my phone and and uh, and and you know texting all of the uh, all of the latin women on my phone from a previous life uh and seeing is this song actually good like is this something you would dance to if clubs were open but i thought better of it and i was like it's probably not a good idea to uh start texting latin women in my phone um <laughs> but I, I did some more crowdsourcing today we talked about i don't can't recall if there was ever a time where a player used his own walk-up music uh to to go at bat and on the Parkinson Spiegel show, we, we have several resources at our disposal, and we decided to reach out to former big leaguers about this exact topic. Like, we're trying to find out, is this unprecedented? Is Yohan Moncada about to go into the unknown Frozen 2 and uh, and use his own song for the first time in Major League history? You talk, you know, this that's why I love our game, Herb. You, this game's been around for, what, 200 years and every day you go to the ballpark, we always say it, you could see something you've never seen before. And a player using his own walk-up song may be unprecedented. So we reached out to a bunch of people. Uh, Bronson Arroyo, who, as you remember, he had his uh, brief you know, musical career when he was in Boston and later in Cincinnati. And Bronson Arroyo told us, you know, the Reds approached me about using my own music, but I thought it was too distracting. And Bronson Arroyo was a pitcher, but pitchers still have their own like entrance music if they're in a reliever or you know uh walkout music when they're when they're warming up happens all the time right so Bronson and Royal says no I, that was never me I think it's too distracting to use my own music out there we reached out to former Yankee great Bernie Williams who of course had a, had a great career in music after uh with, with blues guitar I, I think uh, is the genre for him um Jazz guitar. So Bernie yes. Williams, yeah, he never he never used it. He never used his own music. He famously, I believe, before Jeter's last game, uh, played a played a, a song before the game, but never for himself. Uh, going up to bat, reached out to the Coom Dog, Ron Coomer. You know that's not his style, but we just figured like, there's a lot. He's you know played with a lot of teams over a lot of years. It's still in the game. He couldn't think of anyone. I reached out to former Cub, former Met. Glendon Rush, who is a real fun guy and he's been a score guy for a long time. And, you know, he played with Ricky Henderson. He's played with a lot of characters in his life. So I figured Glendon would know. And Glendon brought me back to Bronson Arroyo. He's like, maybe Bronson Arroyo did. And you know what? Nothing. It came up, came up goose eggs on here until uh, Wayne Randazzo reached out. Wayne Randazzo is uh, the radio and sometimes TV voice of the New York Mets. And he said that during his final years or year with the Mets, Jose Reyes did, in fact, use his own song as a walk-up song. So there you have it. It hasn't been done a lot before, but at least as far as the American League, Yohan Moncada could be the first player in American League history to come out to his own music, and I applaud him for that. That is really believing in yourself, uh, but it's uh, it's not going to be a good look 
uh, for for old Yohan, and if he if he's drawing the collar uh, against you know uh, you know pick pick your pick a lefty pick anyone you know it's not going to look good for him if if he's coming up over three over four coming out to his own song like it's you know but I got to admire it but for the man though I I got to admire a lot of balls. I was thinking, yes, while Jose Reyes did use some walk-up music for himself, probably not that good because at the end of his Mets stint, he was uh, a shell of him for his former self. But we do remember that terrible version of Benny and the Jets by Juliana Zobris yes. for her husband. Crap. Just pure crap. And he did that because it's his wife and he believes in her. I mean... I'm not going to speak too much yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, please don't. Um, but that was shit. <laughs> Just like the worst song of all time. I like Benny and the Jets by Elton John, but I don't know. She, I don't know how she's a singer. That voice, whew, it is rough, and she ruined a, a, a classic. So that's a that's one that where you know you you do your own thing or your wife does her own thing. You don't want to take it to work. It was just annoying. And I think it made him not play well on the field, too, because that song was just terrible. But Desastre Personal, man, mercy. That's a great song. It'll get everybody up. It's kind of like, I don't know if you remember when Starlin Castro had his song with the Cubs. Then he got traded away, and the Cubs kept on playing his song. They were like, yeah, this is a a jam. It wasn't his own song. It was his walk-up music. And they kept on playing because it was such a hot, heat song. Mancata's never leaving the White Sox, but... I am I am sure that other people see Mancata playing a song and then hit a home run. Like, hey man, change that up to me. Like Nick Magical's like, hey, change my music to that. That's heat. This is Timmy the- come like, give me that song too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to it, man. I hope the teammates show uh, show support like that. And, you know, Yohan Moncada trying to win his uh, hopefully first MVP award. And as we transition to the current MVP of the American League, Jose Abreu, Herb. Uh, Jose showed up to camp. Uh, but, uh, we don't even know how far he got into, into camp. But uh, as part of uh, COVID testing, uh, Abreu tested positive uh, for COVID. Now, this is the statement from from Rick Hahn today. Uh, this is this can be very complicated. I think there's a, a fairly simple explanation for this, but Jose Abreu is missing camp right now uh, until he gets tested again, and he's just going to be out for a little bit. So Andrew Vaughn's going to be able to you know take some more reps at first base, which I think maybe uh, is a good thing overall. But this is in Rick Hahn's statement about Jose Abreu today. Uh, quote, in compliance with MLB intake protocols, Jose Abreu will remain away from the club for the next several days due to a positive COVID test. Jose, who is completely asymptomatic, believes he contracted a mild case of the disease in January, which is reinforced by the presence of COVID antibodies and additional testing. Other than being frustrated, Jose feels great and, like the rest of us, is looking forward to when he rejoins the club in the not-too-distant future. Certainly not what you want to see from the reigning American League MVP, but it is what it is. You know, a lot of people were confused by this today. Like, well, if he, he had a mild case in January, you know, why is he still testing positive now? Again, this was an antibody test, so it was still in his system. So I'm assuming all these guys are getting vaccinated or at least having the option to get vaccinated. We know uh, Tony La Russa said he got vaccinated, but I don't know if that was because of his age. We heard him say. Actually, I had shots. Uh, yeah, he had shots, and then he also got uh, the vaccination. But I'm assuming that we haven't heard much reporting about this, but I'm assuming that vaccinations are available to these guys as they enter uh, camp here. But I think this is a simple case of, 
You're, they're trying to see what type of, you know, are the antibodies still in his system and could he possibly still be capable of spreading because those antibodies of COVID are still in his system. So they want to keep him away. Like a mild case, I don't know how mild this stuff ever is with COVID. It's kind of scary. Some people don't show any symptoms and are perfectly fine. Some people really struggle with it, like Yohan Moncada did. And some people are long haulers, they call them, where they deal with the with the effects like long after uh, they, they stop showing symptoms with, with breathing and, and the lungs and things like that. So uh, level of concern here early on for Jose Abreu. Well, uh, in um, the second part of my job, I cut up tape, usually the Cubs and Sox, and Tony LaRusso spoke about it a little bit, and he said pretty much that Jose could be available by Friday or Monday at the latest. So his own words, it seemed to him that it was not a big deal, and with the statement you just read from Rick Hahn, not a big deal. They're just, you know, with abundance of caution, holding him out a couple extra days to get a couple extra negative tests and uh, make sure that he doesn't have active things in his body. So he spreads it to the team. So they're very confident that he'll be on the shelf for a couple days. Game start, I think, on Sunday. So um, maybe him not playing that first week would be the thing because he needs to get his his uh, wind up. But I don't see him being out that long. And uh, it's spring training, too. I don't – I'm just going to say this. I didn't think uh, Yohan Mankata was going to be affected as much as he was. I don't know if um, Marzara was affected at all or he was just that bad of a player, you know, since he was only here for a year. So me saying they're not worrying and I'm not worrying is also with a little pause and saying, you know what, we don't know anything about this disease it took a 25-year-old man down to his knees, sometimes literally, after running the bases. So I pray that this is what they think it is, and it's nothing to worry about. And Jose just cruises and has a great year, and we look back and like, oh, remember we worry about that type of thing? And it's nothing. That'll be the best-case scenario, and that's what the White Sox are literally like pushing out there. Like when Tony was saying, it was like kind of like, Oh, you'll be fine. We'll see him on Friday, type of thing. Yeah, you know, I actually thought about Nomar Mazzara today um, as this story broke, and I thought about Moncada talking about his after effects of COVID. And by the way, Moncada is sidelined too with uh, with he's got some arm soreness, so they're they're just giving him a breather with the arm and trying to get him back, make sure he's one hundred percent before they bring him back. They're and they're really cautious with him after everything he dealt with last year. But I was looking back at you know Nomar Mazzara's year. And I think we did a pretty good job of trying to be fair. Like I, I mentioned the the COVID thing early on, and we sort of mentioned that throughout the year as we were sort of waiting for him to 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 break out of the slump and be the guy that Rickon traded for. And I was just wondering, just in retrospect, wondering like if we could have been, you know, or should have been more fair on Nomar Mazzara after dealing with the the effects of COVID, coming to a new team. In a shortened season, I, you know, and we we're not I don't want to say we were, we were particularly hard on him, but that was sort of like what we were talking about all year, just waiting for him to come around. And I think we were positive when it warranted it, when it when it when it did warrant it being negative. I thought we were fair in that regard. But I just looking back like, I, you know, I'm wondering if we if we gave him enough of a break, uh, considering he, what he was dealing with at the time. Yeah. I Did he sign with anybody yet? I don't think he has. 
I think he did actually. I think just a couple of days ago, he he did latch on with someone or get a non. Uh, oh, the Tigers, I think. Yeah, yes. so you know he's gonna eat against the White Sox in twenty twenty one with Detroit. You just oh, know it just, with that short oh, porch at Com- pitching. Oh, five hundred foot home runs coming. Yeah, immediately the short porch at Comerica there and in, in right field, uh, he's gonna eat. But that's okay. Because we've moved on and the White Sox have had Adam Eaton now, but yeah, I I, I hope we we're, we're we're fair throughout the course of the year. I, th- I think we were. I think so too. I think, uh, I mean, baseball's a brutal sport, and Rick Hahn put a lot of pressure on him before the season. You know, he's only twenty five, twenty four years old, and he's uh, got a consistent bat, and he'll hit twenty plus home runs every year he's out there. And maybe he would have in a regular year, but. It was tough to to give him a 100% honest, fair shake, especially when we're you know having the pennant on the line. We're having the AL Central on the line. I think I was a little much harder on him than you were. You actually saying great words about him at the end of the year that he was actually carrying the team and doing some good good at bats in the playoffs. He had some good at bats, yeah, but he was, also yeah. I. The lasting memory I'll have is him taking that two seamer, which you know it was a ball. Still, no, no one's hitting that pitch, no matter what. If he thinks, even if he swings at it, he's not hitting that pitch. It was yeah. ridiculous. It's like in on his hands, and then it moves over the plate. That's ridiculous. You say it was a ball. I was like, nah, yeah. you know, we get that again, Liam. That'd be great. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of a, of the the pitch. I was at the day before the game before, but yeah, or maybe in the same at bat. It's all blur now. But the fact is, we got the guy that was throwing the pitch, not the guy that was a victim of the pitch. So that's good right there. Um, but just moving on here, we got a lot of audio to get to here. Uh, so the players did report this week, right? And TA is back. And he's back on his bullshit again. Oh, we love Tim Anderson. And when he gets to talking, it's one of my favorite things. He's becoming one of the best quotes in all of uh, of Chicago sports and maybe even all of baseball. But Tim Anderson, you know, uh, he, he had words. He had a little something for everyone. And this is one of my favorite quotes, I think, of the year. And I think we'll, we'll go back to this. But uh, T.A. was asked by our guy Ryan McGuffey of NBC Sports Chicago just what it was like, what, what he felt when he was walking through the hallways of Camelback Ranch there in Arizona. Man, just being in a, you know, the position that I'm in, you know, uh, you know, being able to have a, you know, a few more years under my belt. Um, you know, those pictures in the hallway still the same. Those are getting old. Um, but, man, just to, you know, see see the guys that we have in the, in the clubhouse and, uh, you know, see the guys that we added. Um, you know, we're serious. We're dead serious. Um, you know, couldn't be more proud to be right in the mix of it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get everything I got to, you know, try to deliver something that's that's really cool and, and really dope, something that you can cherish for life. Something really dope that we can cherish for life, man, from from your lips to God's ears, T.A. Um, I just I love that quote. These pictures on the wall are getting old. He he Tim Anderson's been here, you know, in, at the big league level for what? This is going to be his fifth year, right? He came up halfway in, in 16, you know, 16, 17, 18, yeah, sixth year. And already he's thinking like an old grizzled White Sox fan. Well, like when he sees those old pictures from 05 and 08 and some from the, the 80s. And, you know, he says those pictures are getting old. And I just, I love it, man. Like it, I used to be such a guy. You know, we'll get to uh, a, a quote that TA had about the twins in a little bit. But I just used to be a guy who was just, you know, took a lot of this stuff at, you know, just at face value. And it doesn't mean anything. It's just words and what people say. But what Tim Anderson showed us in the postseason, the whole, you know, they must have not done their homework when they talk about throwing a lefty at the Sox lineup. Then he goes out there and backs it up. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a guy now who came up to the organization as, as a shy kid. You didn't hear him speak much. 
you know, a kind of kind of a you know an average debut and beginning to his career, but now he's becoming uh, a perennial MVP candidate in the American League, and now he's the leader in the clubhouse. And I just I just love that quote right there. It's awesome. It's really really um, a thing to see because he what he speaks he brings to the table like he puts his things out in the universe just because he knows you know it motivates him because he's put the words out there you can't talk and then fall on your face and he works hard to get the results that he does get like you said he pretty much was insulted that they're going to throw a lefty jesus lazardo at him the first game it's like no you don't see me you go you don't want to talk to the mat boy real quick and see how I owned him all year long? Come on. Danny Duffy, all these guys, it's it's an insult. And the man went out and did work. What, nine hits in three games? Mercy. <laughs> a just, record to start yeah. your career in the postseason. Just, he's ridiculous. He's, as I said this about Ayo Dusumu, who goes to Illinois, he's much better than I, even I imagined he would. I knew he was going to be good, but I think Tim Anderson is great. Great, and he's insulted that he's the tenth best shortstop voted by MLB Network. He's like, "Are you kidding me? I'm number one. I'm the first. And he put it out there, and he's not afraid of putting it out there because I think that gives him extra juice. You know, me putting it out there makes me have to live up to those words I put out there, and when I do, you'll see I'm I'm all about it. And like you said, the pitchers are getting old. He's putting that expectation of world series or bust out there in the atmosphere he was the first one to say you know we need to be stepping on throats we need to be smashing teams and this guy is the leader no matter if jose abreu is the the actual leader i think people follow what tim says tim says it the team behind him follows him and i love to have that guy on our team it's just a refreshing thing to have one of the best players in the game and even me, I doubted that he was going to be the hitter he was even in the second year. And I, I don't know if he ever listens to Locked on Sox. Hopefully he checks in. I hope that you're listening right now, Timmy. Um, and if I need to say some bad words about you to get hyped up, I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely do that and look bad every time. So I did it for Jose Abreu if he's listening to Locked on Sox. And I could do it for you, Timmy. Just tell me. Just send me a message. Not on Twitter, though. Maybe Instagram, brother. <laughs> yeah, too. That's all we need TA to get hacked. But there's a lot of guys on this team speaking things into fruition. And, you know, we're going to wait to give our World Series predictions. But it's like the more I hear these guys talk, they have the perfect combination of, of confidence mixed with not knowing any better, which in baseball is great. Like you saw it with the 2016 Cubs. They got the little taste in 15. And then in 16, you know, they didn't know any any better about curses or the burdens of all the Cubs teams from years past. They were just a, a good mix of veterans and young talent just having fun, just living in the moment because they had a great manager, Joe Madden, just, you know, make, making them not see too much in the future and, you know, slow the heart rate down and all that good Joe Madden stuff. Uh, but there's guys on this team who, who know that they're great. It goes back to the Moncada thing of using his own walk-up music. And another guy who we don't talk about a lot because of TA, uh, but it's Eloy Jimenez. And he showed up to camp, and 
you know, this reminded me of 2010 Derrick Rose before the season where he said, why can't I be MVP? I put in the work. I, I don't see why I can't. And then Derrick Rose goes out and wins the MVP award and carries one of my favorite Bulls teams of all time uh, to, you know, uh, a playoff loss to the Heat, but still a damn fun team. And D. Rose was just amazing that year. But here's Elo Jimenez talking about his expectations for maybe this year, but certainly the future. I feel like when when they – they say Abreu is the MVP of the American League. I was crying. You know why? Because I know the work he put in every day. I know the that he worked hard every single day, no matter how he feel. And uh, I feel proud of him. You know, is he's a really good leader, and I think he deserved it. And what about what about you, Eloy? You and, and, and individual sort of honors, whether it's all-star or an award, is that part of what you think about going into a season? Is that one of your goals? That's my goal every single year, you know. It's to, you want to get better and you want to you wanna be payback, you know. And uh, I think one day I'm going to be uh, the MVP. I don't know uh, what year, but I think it's soon. I mean, Elo Jimenez just—he's—he's he's got some magic in him, man. Like he just—he ha- has that that youthful exuberance and enthusiasm, and just you know, I, it's a guy we don't talk about a lot. But when he's on, when he's right, and you know, we—he didn't—he missed the postseason. You know, he had that one at bat in the third game and the, and the double, and then that was it. Or maybe it was the first game. Either way, but he, he had one at bat, and then he's—he's he's ushered out of there. But this is a guy also with something to prove. But I guess what I'm asking Herb is, do you ever see? That Eloy Jimenez ever profiling out to be a guy that could have an MVP type year. I know you're very high on him for this year, but you know that that's that's a tough tough uh, tough order here for him to be a most valuable player in the American League. A lot of things have to improve, but do you see that in his future? Yeah, I mean, if you guys recall, I predicted this at the 108 Fest that Eloy Jimenez would be the 2021 AL MVP. I believe it. I'm not just saying it to put it out there. I believe that this guy in his third year of professional ball will put it all together. Like he'll have a first place team. Well, close to first place team. (laughs) If he's the MVP, he'll have a first place team. Yeah, that's that's guaranteed. The White Sox will probably be one of the best teams in the American League. He'll put it together with the batting average, which he was 296 last year. And Frank Menachino, hey, hey, please, he's a 330 guy every year. And I believe, like, he's learning pitchers. Like, this is his third time around. First year, struggled initially, then came back and killed, 31-79. Second year was a short year, so he didn't really get to get juiced up, but he still had an OPS of 891 in a shortened season. It was a silver slugger for outfielders. So I think this year... He's just the confidence is growing. He's putting it out there to the atmosphere. He's putting it out to the universe that I will be the MVP soon. And soon is this year. So I believe like that mentality we're talking about. You got a it's an old saying, and my friend Thomas Hall, you know, my former roommate, always says, You don't ask, you don't get. And I think this is a way of him asking the universe, hey. I want to be MVP. How do I get there type of thing? Put it out there and see what it comes back. And so you don't ask for being the MVP. You're not going to get the MVP. Jose was thinking about that. 
Tim was thinking about the batting title. You don't get the World Series if you're not putting it out there that, hey, we can win it. Derek Rose said, why can't I be MVP? Same thing with Io Dusumi. You got to put these things out there. You got to feel that they're possible for you to get it. And I think that's what Eloy is putting out there. He's making sure that he and everybody else knows that I'm of this caliber. And now, since I put it out there, I got to work to that caliber. And I think he's done the work. He looks good. And I just think the ball just travels off his bat. And like you said before, he's probably, if you're thinking about the White Sox as a team, third, fourth, maybe fifth person you'll name, he's a forgotten man. And I think that will help him out in that regard. It'll be like, all right, you're worried about Jose, who's the MVP? Cool. You're worried about Timmy, who won a batting title a couple of years? Awesome. Oh, Yoman Kata's back to 2019 form? Excellent. Now it's me. Welcome to welcome to a home run. Man, you know, you know, I don't get I, I don't get too crazy, overwhelmingly positive, and I don't, you know, I try not to be a, a homer with with these guys here. But you know, sometimes when I when I look at Eloy when he's at his best and when he's doing the things he's supposed to be doing in the box, like I see, you know, shades of Miguel Cabrera. I'm not comping because Miguel Cabrera is at the big boy table of right-handed hitters of all time, and Miguel Cabrera had a head start on Eloy. Miguel came up when he was just a teenager. But those things, the, the quick hands, the the raw power, the power to the opposite field, like I, you know, the joy for the game, you know, the, the, the mental part. Like there's so many parallels with, Mel, with Miguel Cabrera, and Miguel Cabrera won an MVP in a year where you know Mike Trout should have won it, but still, like you know, he won the Triple Crown for Christ's sake, and you know, people still want to downplay that. And I know we don't value things like we how we used to, but Miguel Cabrera, like that's a big boy table guy right there, and I, I see a lot of those traits. In Eloy Jimenez, and I don't think it's it's far fetched that he could win an MVP. My my only question is like I don't know how you win an MVP uh, with that defense in in left field, you know, unless he moves to DH eventually in the next couple of years. But he's really going to have to improve defensively if he wants to be in that conversation. But he's got the resources now where he can lean on people and find out what it takes. Like he's got Jose Abreu right there for you. What does it take to be a guy that's an MVP? Well, you have to be you know, ready, willing, and able to improve at your position defensively, which Jose Abreu did. You have to be a guy that goes out there every day and puts your team on his back sometimes, sometimes to a fault with Jose. We saw it down the stretch, but I certainly won't fault him for it. But you could see Jose was trying too hard. like you know. But that's an admirable quality. You know, That's a leader right there. And Oh, you can lean on Jose for that stuff, uh, and also he's got a manager who's managed a few MVPs in his lifetime. Ricky Henderson, again, I mentioned Albert Pujols. You know, so he's 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 got guys too that 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 he's seen, and he's got the right manager there that can tell him, hey, you want to, you know, now you put it out in the in the universe. Here's how you do it. So there is no better situation for Eloy Jimenez to to win an MVP award than with the White Sox. And just thinking about him, as you said, in his space in the lineup. You got T.A. demoralizing you right out of the chute, taking you deep, caught, wreaking havoc on the base paths early on in the game, getting to a pitcher's head. You have, I think it's going to be Adam Eaton in the two-hole, and we'll get to that next week. We don't have time for that today, but Adam Eaton batting second, grinding his way through at bats, hopefully getting on base to his 2019-2018 self, and you know, tiring out a pitcher, and then you've got Abreu coming up. You know, or Moncada, depending on how he's faring out of spring. So you have an MVP there right in front of you, and all of a sudden here you go. You have Eloy Jimenez, who has seen the pitcher work all these 
lengthy at bats with the guys ahead of him. And now Eloy, hopefully he can take that next step and learn about those pitchers, like you said, and just take advantage of these pitchers who are just exhausted by facing this lineup day in and day out, man. He's, 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 there, there is no one on earth in a better position to, to win an MVP, I think, than Eloy Jimenez. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play again. And uh, there's another guy here, as we move along here, we got a lot of stuff to get to, but there's another guy that I just can't wait to see play again. In, in real time when the Sox, you know, get these games on television and a full 162 game season of Luis Robert is something that I'm just really excited about. You know, they were showing B-roll on TV today. Some of his highlights, you know, the diving catch in Kansas City, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 bat toss in the uh, in the 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 uh, wild card game, the winner take all game, where we thought, oh my God, the White Sox are going to win a, pl- a winner take all game in Oakland was not the case, but Luis Robert didn't end his season sheepishly you know he had that rough September but he ended his season with an exclamation point and uh, not a period okay so Tony La Russa was asked about Luis Robert you know he finally gets a chance to, to get his glibs on him and, and see him up close and personal and there was some uh, some 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 big time uh, comps here thrown at Luis Robert but first uh, Tony La Russa was asked how do you even begin to describe Lou Bob indescribable can't describe it I'll give you one example. I saw Frank Thomas this offseason, and he told me, you're a five-tool player? I said, sure. He says, Luis is a six-tool player. <laughs> I thought, nah, and I'm watching him. I said, yeah, I, I could see. He's got, the, he's, he's got another gear or level he goes to. You know, you've heard me say how lucky I am, which I have been lucky, more than lucky. But I, my, my latest great good fortune was weird abbreviated season because I got a chance to watch Mike Trout. I mean, I don't drop that on at least right now, except that the talent is, I mean, I, I, I like Frank's comment. He's got six tools. I haven't heard that about anybody. Pretty amazing. A guy who's in the Hall of Fame, a Hall of Famer baseball person, Tony La Russa, who knows that it's not always fair to bestow comps on the players or or give a player unworthy expectations or unrealistic expectations to live up to. But for him to drop the Mike Trout, just after being around him for a little bit, that says a lot about our guy, Lou Bob, man. I mean, it continues the theme about this guy. We remember last year where people were willingly, and baseball people barely do this, naming real-time greats of all time as cops for this guy. I mean, what were the names, Danny, that you put up in the on those uh montages? Well, yeah, it was Roberto Clemente was one yeah. that I remember. Eloy called him the next Mike Trout. Jason Benetti called him Terrell Owens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like they were, they were all over the, the 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 map with this stuff. But yeah, it, it's 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 unreal. Like you said, baseball people don't do this often, and especially a guy like Tony. Like I that yeah. that took me by surprise right there. Yeah, so like they're not afraid to say these things about the guy. Hell, he was third in the power speed number. It was Jose Ramirez, Whit Merrifield, and Luis Robert in a year that he struggled. And I put those in quotes, struggled at the end of the year. Like, he won a gold glove in his rookie year. This is amazing. I know it's 60 games, but he won the damn gold glove. That's awesome. Second in rookie of the year. And just like Eloy, this will be his second year. He went back home. He saw what he did wrong and probably he's been working his ass off. His body's 
I don't know how. Like, I still see him eating pizza every <laughs> once in a while, Domino's, and I don't know where he lives. But I'm like, God damn, man, how does that body keep like that? I know he's young, 22, but man, just came back, real great shape, looks exactly like the Lewis Robert that we saw last year, and I'm excited. And just like Eloy, overlooked. We're na- we're gonna name other people before we name him when we talk about the White Sox, which is awesome that we talked about it before he came up last year where we already had Mankata on the team, we had Eloy on the team and people were saying he's the best one of those guys he is a rookie and we saw the flashes the th- the thing I like the most is that catch in Kansas City but also that home run that almost destroyed the uh, Royals Hall of Fame that was oh, yeah. murder. The one that had Rex Heller going, oh, man, that was a great brother. home run, man, brother. <laughs> I can't stand it, brother. Um, and then also, like, the guy was so disrespected. Just like we say that Tim was disrespected. They threw Jesus Alonzardo at him, a lefty. Luis Robert was dis- disrespected that Mike Fires was on the bump versus him. He's like, that's how he tossed the bat after he hit that home. It's like, man, y'all, this, this garbage. I'm, I know I'm a rookie, but come on now. Don't be insulting me in a walk game and a game that you guys got to have bullshit. So, yeah, I'm very excited for the guy, man. I just they, they could be in a perfect spot here where there's not one guy carrying the team, but they have so many guys that are potentially stars. And, and, and you know, we'll, we'll get to the prediction show maybe next week. We got plenty of time here, but I see a lot of potential all stars here if things go the right way. And I see a, a, a few perennial MVP candidates and it's just going to be a fun year on the South Side, man. We're we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in this uh, for later, but I want to get to this Tim Anderson thing on the Twins sometime next week because there's plenty of time to talk about Sox versus Twins, and I'm sure there's going to be uh, some more. You call it fallout or some retorts coming from Minnesota about these comments that Tim Anderson had to say about the Twins, which we'll get to in a later episode. But it's just man, I'm, I, now that we've put a lot of this stuff behind us with the the Larusa thing, and and there's actually things to talk about players to talk about situations now we're even talking about lineup construction and we're we're talking about Andrew Vaughn coming up and there's it's so many there's so many exciting things to talk about here and I'm glad we're inching closer and closer to to baseball season and we'll we'll be right here for you on Locked on White Sox breaking it all down every little angle every storyline like from Garrett Crochet's change up to you know Eloy vowing to be the MVP the little things like that that you guys are going to be able to put in your back pocket for the season. And we're going to come back to a lot of this stuff during the regular season. So I'm glad you guys are sticking with us listening to the show uh, during you know inconsequential times of spring training where it may seem like a drag, but I love talking about this stuff. Like, And this team is so fun, and there's so many great quotes here, and there's so many great players here. And you know, I, I really think that the sky's the limit for this team. And you know, barring... Barring any, uh, you know, they need some good health and, and some good luck. But any team that wins a World Series will need that. But we'll we'll, we'll save that for a later show when we when we do our prediction show uh, from the folks of BetOnline.ag and get into some of these futures. But I'm just I'm really excited about this team, man. And uh, we'll we'll be back uh, tomorrow. We've got the Sons of Hanarchy episode. It's a crossover episode. Why don't you tell the good folks about that one? Yeah, the Sons of Hanarchy, uh, Steve-O and Hot Take Tommy, who you've heard. Uh, participate in one of our mailbag episodes here 
they're great guys, young cats out there. They thought they're uh, <laughs> kind of saying, hey, we're all about the same age. I was like, come on. <laughs> they were like 10 years old when the 2005 World Series has happened. I was 26. <laughs> so, yeah, they're very young and very fun. Like, it's going to be having you guys crack up. They've asked some personal things about the score and things that, you know, our, our uh, origins of being a White Sox fan. It's awesome. It's a very, very uh, fun interview. I think you guys are going to love it. We're just running straight through unedited, unfiltered, all the cussing, me talking about other stations and other people at those stations. Very, very candidly. I mean, I might get in trouble for this. You guys got to listen to it. Ooh. Yeah, man. So that's all I got. Be on the lookout for the Sons of Hanarchy. A full five-episode week for you guys, even though uh, they only require us to do three here. But uh, we're trying to push, man. We want, we're want we gunning for that number one spot in the Lockdown Podcast Network rankings this week. We want to beat the Dawyers, who have more good things to talk about than we do. But uh, but we're, 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 you know, we got that South Side pride, and we have that chip on our shoulders. So we're pushing through. And to be honest, like I love talking about this team, and now that there's – spring training games coming up like it just it's a lot of fun man can you tell i'm hyped about this season good lord man um but yeah many apologies to my wife tonight who believe it or not is not always excited that i, I do a daily podcast about baseball in the month of february so she she's uh extra patient with me tonight as we we're putting my daughter to bed but it's reps for for the real thing like back when you know I, i'm watching the game on my phone in the seventh and eighth inning and i'm trying to put my daughter to bed so like you know we're, we're prepping for the real thing here but it's about to get real and uh i thank you guys for listening to the show but that's all i got tonight that is chris Tannehill. follow him at chris Tannehill. me herb lawrence i was at ecknerwall wall 23 you could go to instagram i'm there herb okay. lawrence. that's my name h-e-r-b-l-a-w-r-n-c-e the show is at locked on socks on twitter instagram and on youtube go there subscribe hit the notifications bell we will be dropping episodes with the video part of the of the interviews or if we're just doing an episode so you can see my face i'm looking right at the camera right now if you this is creepy youtube i don't really you look at the camera it's weird uh, i looked back at yeah. one of our youtube episodes i think the james fox and mike rankin one and i'm just looking like aimlessly off to the side it looks weird, very weird but if you want to see my beautiful face with a white Sox hat and uh, <laughs> and some glasses on tune into our youtube channel we might be dropping this one we don't know maybe we'll yeah see. we'll we'll see but you see my face enough we we just did one two days ago so yeah go back and check there. we got the george offman episode we've got the uh, sons of hanarchy episode which is going to be up friday and we've got the future socks episode all on youtube all of our interview shows are up there except for joe collie because dumbass right here forgot to record uh the video so yeah that's fine so go there right now and thank you for joining us today i know we've been doing a lot of episodes and we really appreciate you guys all listening it's awesome it's awesome in the morning and i don't have the the uh, Twitter anymore, but Zach Byrne, I see you, man. I see you every day that we drop an episode. You are retweeting that. You're listening to that. Man, that's really appreciated because you have many other choices to listen to other podcasts, but you choose to listen to this one, and yep. we really appreciate that, especially from you, Zach. It's Love you, great. Zach. Yeah, Thank Zach, you. every morning he shares the episode before I can share it. Because yeah. he subscribes on iTunes and he sees it before anyone. And I wake up in the morning, I compose the post, and he's right there for you. So uh, we may have to get Zach a, a prize pack. He's never asked for one, which is why I think I may send him one. Yeah, so <laughs> that is Chris Tannehill. I'm Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Locked on Socks.